Today on Act News Daily. There's a huge question if they're actually going to be able to uh, sell any product on the world market. So right now, the, 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 the financial markets, especially the wheat market, is all concentrated on taking out, you know, two of the biggest uh, exporters in the world. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and happy Market Monday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell joined by Ashton Carr today. And Ashton, and before we get into the news today, because it's probably going to be a lot of the same that we were talking about last week with Ukraine and Russia, I wanted to share some positive news today, and that is some nice warm weather that's sweeping across central Iowa today. It's about uh, 45 degrees and sunny, and it finally feels like spring is right around the corner. So I'm thankful for that today. Well, I'm certainly glad that it is a warmer day for you, Delaney. I think we're right about the same here in Lubbock. It's about the, the mid-60s, and that's pretty much what we've been rolling on for the past couple of days or so. But we're expected to be ramped up this weekend. I think our high on Friday, we're finally reaching the 80s. Um, But it's supposed to up and down, up and down, you know, until, you know, the real spring, spring slash summer weather hits. So it's going to be a real back and forth here, which really doesn't come as a surprise because it's Texas weather after all. That's true. But 80 degrees, I am definitely jealous. Well, you're not going to be jealous when I start sounding like a frog on the podcast because my (laughs) allergies get so bad because of this type of weather. So I don't know who's the lucky one here. Well, that's fair. That's fair. But uh, I tell you what, I'm going to kick things off here today with some non-Ukraine related news because today is the final day for spring crop insurance prices to add in to the average there. And it looks like we are going to potentially set or we should set from all estimates out there new records for spring crop insurance prices for both corn and soybeans. It's looking like the spring Soybean crop insurance price is going to be at a new record of $14.32. The previous record was set back in 2011 at $13.49, so almost a dollar difference between the two years. And on the corn side of things, we are... Sorry, going to see the second highest on record, not the first highest. The first highest was set back in 2011 at 601. This year, it's looking like it's going to be set at 589. So still a fairly solid number. But, you know, if we wouldn't have seen these Russian Ukraine things really flare up last week, we could have potentially broken that record. But because of some of the weakness and sell off and volatility we saw end of last week, that's certainly going to play into Uh, spring crop insurance price, but overall, a fairly substantial increase still 2022 compared to 2021, a jump of about $1.30 in corn and a jump of about $2.50 in soybeans this year, Ashton. Well, Delaney, luckily, I also have some non-Russia Ukraine news. I do have two stories uh, here that I'll I'll share at the the top of the show, but one of those is concerning the EPA and the chlorpyro rules. We talked about this, I think, last week. Time is escaping me right now, but the EPA is not budging on its new chlorpyro's rules. The agency denied all objections, hearing requests, and requests to stay at the final rule earlier today. 
The new rule was issued back in August of last year and revokes all tolerances for the pesticide on food. EPA issued the rule saying it could not determine that there is a reasonable certainty of no harm from exposure to the chemical. So chlorpiferose use will still be allowed for non-food uses, including tobacco, ornamental plants, and forest trees. There are also some allowed uses for commercial livestock buildings and cattle ear tags under specific conditions. So the EPA is is not budging. They're staying firm in this rule, Delaney. It certainly sounds that way, Ashton. And another thing that stayed firm has been fertilizer prices. On Friday, we saw fertilizer prices rise pretty substantially. New Orleans urea alone surged about 29% to $705 per short ton on Friday, which is a record increase in the 45-year existence of the gauge altogether. So we're starting to really see that begin to play out here because Russia is such a large contributor to the fertilizer uh, demand, fertilizer supply, sorry, globally. And another thing that we saw today was Bloomberg reported that Brazilian farmers are scrambling to start to book their fertilizer needs due to fears that this thing is going to go even higher and that Russian invasion will disrupt some of their potential deliveries. Uh, major producing states like Monte Grosso have actually reportedly been unable to get quotes and delivery estimates, in fact, Ashton. You know, Delaney, I had a fertilizer story myself, and it had some commentary from Josh Linville, who we've had on the past two fertilizer-themed episodes that we had. And he said that, you know, before all of this stuff started happening with Russia and Ukraine, we were actually starting to see some ease in fertilizer prices. People were starting to feel a little bit better about supply and locking in those inputs, but now it's not looking so hot once again. And he actually tweeted earlier today and said that if we could stop having once in a lifetime events happening every week, that would be stupendous. And honestly, I agree with him. It's been such a crazy past, you know, two, three years almost, but Back over here to Linville's commentary, he says that farmers need to be in constant contact with their fertilizer suppliers and lock in supplies where possible. So really just another thing that we have to be paying attention to, but I don't think anybody really ever took their eyes off of this story. No, I would agree with you there, Ashton. And so as we start to kind of dive into some of these Ukraine-Russian updates that we're starting to see now, I've got a couple of big ones, actually. I think I mentioned this on the podcast last week, but... Russia is, of course, part of the SWIFT banking system, which is essentially the international entity that allows the exchange, safe, quote unquote, exchange of money between countries. And this is just some fresh news today, but it does appear that the U.S. and EU have removed Russia from the SWIFT banking system, and that shuts them out from the grain export market for the time being. We also saw that the Ukrainian government announced late on Friday afternoon, they've suspended all commercial shipping activity out of their ports due to Russia's military invasion. And they've got a lot of privately owned grain storage and processing facilities in Ukraine that have also chosen to suspend operations for the safety of their employees. So, What that means is we really won't see a lot of grain flow in and out of Ukraine for the time being. But it also sounds like we did see Ukraine 
and Russian delegations end the first round of talks today, and more talks are expected to come again soon. But the EU, of course, has also slapped sanctions on 26 more Russians, including oligarchs, senior officials, and an energy insurance company as their response to the country's invasion of Russia, bringing the total number of people sanctioned to 680 people, Ashton. So we're starting to see a lot of countries on the global front make some moves here to try and help end this thing as peacefully and as quickly as possible. And it does sound like Whatever those conversations are behind closed doors have been continuing to happen. Well, Delaney, like I said, I had uh, a little bit more of a non-Russia-Ukraine news. And this one actually is coming out of China as a hog breeder over there. And I'm, I'm going to butcher these names. I just know it. But Chinese hog breeder Xingqi Zingbang Technology has agreed to sell eight of its animal feed units to Beijing Debian Technology for about $317.13 million. Under the deal that was announced today, Damon Yang will take full ownership of three of the companies and a 51% stake in five others. Jing Bang is reportedly short on money after a major expansion during 2020 left it vulnerable to last year's plunge in hog prices. Now, back in January, Jing Bang said that it expected to report annual losses of almost 20 billion yen for 2022, which is the worst performance among all of their listed peers. And last month, they announced an agreement with a local government-backed infrastructure group to fund some of its feed purchases. But it looks like they're selling off some things now really to save their behinds in a a non-ladylike way to put it. That is a, a, an interesting way to put it, Ashton, but we'll accept that. We'll accept those terms. But uh, I, I tell you what, I really don't have a lot of other news for today. So what do you say we hop in and check out the markets? Let's do it. Fantastic. Well, again, volatility is the theme heading into this week, it appears, as commodity markets now traded to the upside after Thursday and Friday's sell-off. We touched the limit in quite a few markets. And of course, today, wheat was trading with expanded limits. So they had the potential to move up $1.50 today. And while we did not see quite those big gains today, we certainly saw some of those testing those expanded limits. But let's kick things off here first in the corn. March corn today closed up 38 cents to end at 6.97 and a half. May up 35 cents to close at 6.90 and East new crop corn up 27 and a half cents to close the day out at 6.07 and a quarter. Soybeans today also had large moves to the upside. Again, not touching a limit, but still putting on some pretty substantial gains today as the March soybean contract Heads into delivery tomorrow, added 54 cents to close at 16.44. The November up 20 and three quarters cents to close at 14.35 and three quarters. March really was the only one here to take it full advantage of those expanded limits as they added 85 cents today to close at 9.28. The May settled 74 and a quarter cents higher to close at 9.34. Hopping over into the livestock pits today, we saw weakness across the entire protein complex. April live cattle today shed 50 cents, settling at 141.42. The June down 60 cents to close at 137.70. 
And in feeder cattle today, the March contract shed $2.30 to close at a buck 57. April down $2.75, closing the day out at a buck 62. Lean hogs today were able to claw their way back to just a 17 and a half cent loss to close at 103.50. The May down 17 and a half as well to close at 107.65. And lastly, wrapping things up here with the class three dairy milk futures. The March today up 14 cents, closing at 22.04. The April up 23 to close at 22.71. Without further ado, let's kick it over to our conversation with Jeff French. Well, folks, we are chatting today with Jeff French, president of Ag Hedgers. And Jeff, last Monday when we were chatting markets, we hadn't had an official invasion yet into Ukraine. So things are looking a little different this Monday, that's for sure. Yeah, and it started uh, hot and heavy Sunday night. Uh, uh, Weed opened, uh, limit up. I didn't spend too many minutes up there, but that was after closing Friday, limit down. So extreme volatility has hit the grain markets and a couple things in the news. Uh, number one, I mean, Russia and Ukraine are, are two uh, massive uh, grain growers, uh, consumers, and obviously exporters as well. And uh, 30% of the wheat that is exported throughout the world flows through the Black Sea uh, region coming from either Russia or Ukraine. And uh, it's a big deal. Um, and we've seen the flow of money uh, with the war drums beaten. I mean, this is something that we've been talking about for the last really uh, solid four weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when the, when the invasion actually kicked off uh, and the missiles started flying, then it got real and it got real quick. And then, you know, today's limit move and, and, and also uh, kind of the hysteria spilled over into the corn market was uh, the Ukrainians uh, did come out and confirm that their ports uh, will close until the Russian invasion ends. Um, Russia is said to be still exporting wheat if they can get it done. Um, you know, with all the sanctions and financial regulations, there's a huge question if they're actually going to be able to uh, sell any product on the world market. So right now, the 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 the, the the financial markets, especially the wheat market, is all concentrated on taking out, you know, two of the biggest uh, exporters in the world. Um, and nobody really knows besides a, fer- a certain number of people uh, how long this will last for. So at the end of the day, uh, a longer invasion, a longer war, uh, in my opinion, is definitely uh, friendlier to the grain markets. Um, and, and you got to look at this, too. I mean, I think it's actually more positive or more bullish on the corn because, you know, the wheat's there. Uh, the wheat's out there in the field going to be harvested here this spring uh, and summer. Uh, but the focus here today in the last couple of days is, well, are they going to be able to get into the field right. this spring and plant, plant the corn crop? So, um, yeah, a lot of excitement. Again, it's all about the war, but the one thing you got to focus on is uh, when this thing does end or a, a ceasefire is announced, I, you know, in my opinion, I think we go back down just as quickly as we came back up. Jeff, there's a lot to unpack there. So let's dive in, because I think that's really probably what a bulk of today's discussion is going to be, is just how we trade these markets with that lingering geopolitical tensions. But you hit a key point there with the corn side of things, because I think 
a lot of people don't recognize, Ukraine has a very similar growing season to the U.S., wherein they're usually planting a similar time of year as we are. So, you know, if we don't see tensions die down, they may physically not be able to get into the field and get planted this year. But if that is the case, how much does that change global supplies if Ukraine doesn't have a crop this year? Well, they exported last year just to China alone now, and I'm just going to look at because China's our uh, biggest uh, uh, customer uh, for exports on corn and soybeans aside. I know Mexico is a huge buyer as well, but let's just look at China. They bought 7 million metric tons from Ukraine of corn last year. Uh, that's right, you know, just south of 250 million bushels. So if they're not able to um, use Ukraine as a source for corn, uh, during uh, that growing season, this growing season coming up, we're really the only other game in town for a legitimate exporter. I know some will go down to Brazil as well, but uh, we will be the number one game in town and that business will have to come through us. But uh, again, that's a lot of what ifs. You know, we could come in here tonight and, and all of a sudden uh, they announce a ceasefire. Uh, I know, you know, people and, and leaders throughout the Europe, especially, are, are working on that to get this ended as quickly as possible. So, um, you know, how do you trade it? You know, I, I said this to a client uh, today, you know, you trade small, have a ball. I mean, you just don't put your neck out here because when prices are moving 50 to 75 cents uh, per session, uh, you can lose your head real quick. And again, you know, when this thing does end, because it will end. Uh, I just think that the prices will come out, come down just as quickly as they came up. And uh, long term, uh, you know, I'm telling my clients that you need to look at this as a major selling opportunity, not only the old crop, uh, which we have about 20 percent left, but uh, we're going to be looking to book probably 20 to 30 percent of new crop on this rally here very soon. So, and I think that's one of the big questions too, is like you said, how do you trade this thing? But also how does this thing play out? And once maybe we start to see some sort of resolution come to terms with Russia and Ukraine, which who knows how long that will take. I mean, at what point do we stop trading that news? And what when do we start turning our attention to spring planting and what's actually going into the field? Well, um, you know, I think spring planting, I think that question is is kind of on people's mind. I mean, right now I'm sitting here in central Iowa and it, it's 61 degrees on February 28th. Uh, so you know, I, I look at this weather, and, and again, I know it can change here in the next 45 days when we actually do get into the field. Uh, but you know, if if this indication, if this weather is in, in, any indication of the early spring weather, uh, you know, I'm looking at that we won't have too much of a planning delay. And I I think the the, the trade uh, will be more sensitive to a planning delay than than a uh, uh, summer dry spell, just because. We saw that you know we were dry last year on the dry side, and we still produced just massive uh, yields throughout the United States. So, uh, again, you know, set some hedges here, uh, get some put protection underneath the stuff. I mean, you can go in and lock in uh, 550 December corn for the next nine months, uh, pretty cheap cost. Again, that's keeping your downside locked in while keeping your upside to- totally open. And uh, we're going to be looking to do 20 or 30 percent here soon. Jeff, I also wanted to touch base here. You mentioned uh, earlier at the top of the conversation here that you don't think wheat has the most to gain. I think you said something along the lines of corn has the most to gain. 
is it just from a production standpoint that we produce so much wheat elsewhere in the world? That is, that's exactly right. And when you have it on the growing seasons in the Northern hemisphere and the Southern hemisphere, you know, you're essentially having wheat harvested. Wheat is harvested every month throughout the calendar year. So there are other origins where they can find wheat. Um, so yes, again, we've seen wheat had a big rally. I mean, obviously when you take out uh, some of your biggest exporters offline here for the last couple of days, you know, the market's going to have a knee-jerk reaction. But uh, again, you know, we're not talking about a drought or anything. You know, the wheat's out there that will eventually come to market here. And the trade here in the last, you know, especially today is kind of looking at the corn saying, hey, you know, this thing lingers and, and we go on for the next couple of months. Uh, is Ukraine going to be able to actually plant the uh, corn crop this spring, which, you know, I, I think they'll still be able to get it in. But again, uh, every day this thing goes on, uh, the trade is going to continue to analyze it. And what about from a livestock perspective? You know, they've had some pretty ugly days over the past couple of trading sessions as well. Are they also nervous about this Russian-Ukraine situation? Well, from a feed standpoint, it, it's been devastating. I mean, you look at uh, feeder cattle futures. I think they closed down here. I think this is about a four-month low close in the feeder cattle futures. Uh, we've been down seven consecutive days, going down about uh, we're down thirteen dollars since uh, mm-hmm. the middle of February. So yeah, it's it's been devastating, and it's just simply because of uh, feed costs. Uh, but we saw the cattle on feed uh, numbers there last week. I mean, fundamentally, we have plenty of cattle on feed right now. Uh, placements have been high, but that is because that's a function of in the Southwest. You know, typically they'd have that have those feeders still out on wheat pasture, uh, especially here this spring. But that wheat, if you have a good stand, uh, nine dollar wheat, you're not going to go and uh, run feeder cattle on that pasture that wheat. You know, you're going to be looking to grow that to harvest it here this summer and have a hopefully a plentiful crop. So uh, there are things that work here that fundamentally we got plenty of cattle right now. Long term, though, uh, numbers are coming down. We're on. You know, I think this is about the fifth or sixth year of lower numbers in general on the cattle side. Uh, but yeah, it's it's all about the cost of feed right now. And Jeff, uh, as we get wrapped up here, if folks want to pick your brain a little bit more on chatting some markets or I know you're going to be at Commodity Classic next week. How can folks find you? Yeah, you can uh, you can look me up online. It's uh, www.aghedgers.com uh, or you can call the office. It's 312. 312- Two one seven zero one two two. Fantastic. Well, Jeff, thanks again for joining to Chat Markets this week. Thank you very much for having me, Delaney. Thanks again there to Jeff for coming on for Market Monday. And folks, we're going to be continuing, of course, to watch what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, but we'll also be reporting on some other things this week. So do tune in at agnewsdaily.com. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.